UX Podcast Episode 104. Welcome to UX Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Pat Axbom. And I'm James Roy Lawson. And we're balancing business technology and users every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. And, well, today, this is the third show in our series of five shows uh, with interviews recorded at um, UXLX 2015. Yeah, some really awesome interviews that we did there. And uh, we're bringing the, all these interviews to you over the coming shows with some breaks for other types of shows as well. And in this um, show we had we were we, we were joined rather unexpectedly in room four yeah it was one of my favorite shows just based on the fact that did, we didn't prepare anything we always say that we don't prepare anything but we did not prepare anything for this because they just knocked on the door and came in and sat down and we started talking and they are abby covert and andrew hinton yes abby is um known as um, um abby the ia on twitter and author of making sense of any mess and um Andrew Hinton is known as Inkblurt on Twitter and is the author of Understanding Context. So they're both basically information architecture gurus. Yeah. And we had, um, it was a very laid back but pragmatic chat we had with Abby and Andrew. Yes. And there's some fantastic discussion points um, in this interview. You need to get pen and paper out. And what I would encourage you to do is get the pen and paper out, write, note down some of the topics we, we discuss mm. and Discuss them with your colleagues and your peers. Mm. It's this, You really need to nerd out yeah. and to, to geek out on some of these points. Write up some it's questions. It's our job, yeah. as we mentioned in the, mm. in the interview, it's our job to actually dig deeper with some of these mm. issues. Your responsibility as a designer. Yeah. We're joined by Abby Covert and Andrew Hinton. Uh, just popping in to have a chat with us. The door was open. Hey, guys. You're welcome. Hello. Excellent. Uh, it's air-conditioned in here. So, Yay. that's a plus. <laughs> it's actually better now. It was really it's hot. Better now yeah, it's better yeah. now. We're in the afternoon now, so it's getting warmer, but it's okay. Now, um, um, Andrew, you've, you've actually had it quite easy. You've only done a workshop. I did um, a workshop. Designing from content. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I was ser- seriously jet-lagged, but uh, I did a workshop the first morning, and then I've just been sort of walking around yeah. and talking to people and... And having a bit of fun, absorbing napping. the atmosphere, napping. Whereas yeah. Abby, you've had to work a little bit more for your for your books during this trip. Yeah, I did a, a workshop the first day, and then yesterday I got to give a talk. That yeah. was fun. So how to make sense of any mess was your um, your workshop, mm-hmm. and then um, which also happens to be the name of the book that we both own now. We do yeah. both own the book now. Mm. Yeah. Um, I hear there's a, a feud about which one is signed. <laughs> mine is so signed. So I, I will sign the other one. Yeah, that's what I was. If you'd like, yeah, mine, mine is signed. No, you, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's not on. Mine signed. Pers is not. That's the way we know the difference. <laughs> so information architecture for everybody was your talk yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, which was fun, despite the um, the heat, the soaring heat in the um, the main. Oh, hall it was. There. If you thought it was bad in the audience, you should yeah, have been on so that stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for the podcasting Ooh. public out there, yeah. So we are currently ensconced in a what is this? A neo brutalist bunker building. <laughs> uh, it's made of concrete and glass, and with no air, no way to move air through it unless the air conditioning is working in top condition, right? Which so yesterday, yeah. and somebody um, designed this. Somebody designed it yeah, to be that way in yeah. a hot country. Yeah. Yes. Interestingly enough. Yes. But yesterday the air conditioning wasn't working. There was lots of workmen working outside trying to get it fixed, yeah. but inside was um, was very warm. I got to see um, 
I guess the rest of Lisbon or the, the what the, the Lisbon outside of where we are right now in terms of these conference structures and hotel structures and it's very different. So this okay. is like Yeah, this financial this district is or whatever. Very is strange. Really yeah, this is a ways out. They're beautiful. Yeah. Like really mm -hmm. interesting, beautiful architectural structures, but it doesn't look anything like mm. the community that it lives in. So it's a little bit weird. It's yeah. it's definitely like um I don't know, I guess the financial district in New York is a little bit like that too. It's sort of I can imagine it being little bit less populated it's at night and it's not as yeah. organic it's not as like part of the the whole scene. so it's it's an interesting but it's a kind of a mess <laughs> if we want to segue back into oh yeah that. <laughs> well, do you know and what was, what was the very first thing you said in Are your you talk um, yesterday <laughs> wasn't it because um, our world is a mess our world it? is a mess and yeah. you're obsessed you with messes is i what am I obsessed yeah. with messes yeah. i mean you guys i can't give my mother technical support anymore for her apple devices I used to be able to do that. Oh, like, yeah. are you guys still capable of doing that for other people? Like, I'm having enough time with my own, with the cloud and the how many how many photos are on my phone versus in a stream versus in the cloud. And mm. I mean, I've she now has four copies of every photo on her phone. Oh yeah, I have. And there's no way to get well, rid yeah. of them. And she calls <laughs> me with these things, and I'm just like, I yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I actually don't know anymore. So yeah, it's it's messier. I, it's I find messier. it I find it getting it's mm. tougher and tougher. Um, getting through a tech support session with my mum without really hitting the wall <laughs> and losing it because I do it because I do it internationally because my yeah. mum doesn't live in Sweden she lives in the UK oh. so it's mm. all via telephone um, and, and but, but from from a user from a usability point of view from a user testing point of view sometimes it's fascinating as um, what she when I'm describing something it's oh well press the press the min menu icon or menu button down at the bottom right and we've, we've mm. both got Android phones so you'd think it'd be pretty straightforward but she hasn't quite the same flavor yeah so uh, she actually presses mm. things what she thinks is a menu and then says to me yes I've pressed it so I go great now you should be able to see this this and this no <laughs> exactly. what, I told you it wasn't there exactly. I told you it wasn't working mm -hmm. yeah. so, so you, you have so little understanding it's, it's, it's like well, it's the blind leading yeah. the blind mm -hmm. she's my trying, father she's describing converted a world. to Android and I mean it was like <gasps> you're in different languages now like now he can't help mm. and he <laughs> has trouble with his and yeah. they can't even discuss it and they have to go to different stores to get their technical support and their photos can't live together anymore I mean it's like <laughs> oh my god yeah <laughs> yeah they're having a oh. cross platform relationship it's like <laughs> very very awkward um, god, yeah. and I don't know how much I don't know how much we're thinking about that kind of stuff when we're making this these decisions of like how to differentiate our operating system from other operating not systems enough, obviously. Well, how to yeah. keep our content in our walled garden of, mm. of where it will be the most useful for us mm. or not well, caring enough about it Abby and I are both pretty obsessed with this idea of place and placemaking and sense-making. And uh, this is a big piece of it, right, is that you can, you can make an environment be really fungible and different across so many different instantiations uh, to the point where, yeah, they're, 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 they're not, there's not a, a sense of co coherent place. And, uh, and so, yeah, you're having to have, trying to have a conversation with um, you know, someone about this place that they're in, trying to figure it out and make sense of it. And uh, the labels are different. The structures are different. You know. Yeah, it's no different than if I was to call someone who lives in a town that I don't live in and be like, yo, I'm lost in your town. I'm standing on the mm. corner of this and this. Yeah. Like, how do I get back to my hotel? Like, it's not that yeah. dissimilar from my mom calling me and saying, I'm trying to get these photos off yeah. of my mm. phone, and it keeps giving me this error, yeah. and I'm turning the wrong way, obviously. Yeah. So which way do I go to get back to an album that makes sense on mm. my phone? Mm. You know, mm. so it's... I, I believe, yeah, that that's really starting to... Or even the really sense of where is this, right? Yeah. Where, where, where if I take this photo off of here, is it still going to be in its the main place where it lives? 
but what is that anymore? Mm. You know, right. and, uh, mm. and and a lot of the messaging and stuff isn't very clear around that. So all these ecosystems are super confusing, even uh, to those of us who have been doing it for you know twenty years exactly. for a living. And also, they're 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 evolving and they're changing at a pace which our our own mental models just can't mm-hmm. keep up with. Oh, yeah. So, so you know, especially with parents and things, you see that I mean they've got mental models that were, were basically built decades ago. And they've tried their best maybe to, to overlay some of the digital world that we're working in mm. with our help often. Sure. And then they just think they've got it. Yeah. And bam, iOS 7 or, you know, or Android gingerbread or something, you know, something happens mm. and it's not the same anymore. And they don't really properly ever update their mental model well, to like fit Watch little kids use phones. It's freaky because mm. you're going to feel like that very soon. You're going to feel like, oh, I, I finally got a hold on everything that they changed it again. Like I, little kids don't understand the phone icon they don't understand the film strip icon because it looks like a bunk bed like they don't understand mm-hmm. a flop, lot of floppy the disk icon. yeah a lot like <coughs> yeah the floppy disk for save like that's <laughs> so antiquated mm. yet we still use it because it makes us comfortable mm. but like when they're in the designer seat things are going to have to change and then we're going to be in the position that our parents are in yeah. now. Yeah. It's just like, well, what is this? I paid money for this. It should make sense to me. Why doesn't it? The impact of digital change is, is really underestimated. My, my, my daughter, when um, I upgraded, she has an Android tablet mm-hmm. and um, I upgraded that to, what is it now, Lollipop. I think it's the latest version mm-hmm. of Android. Um, and they changed the notification system between the last two versions of Android. Mm-hmm. And I upgraded it and she goes, Daddy, I, I, I don't like this. I don't like my tablet now. The, uh, I, I can't find any of the the, mm-hmm. the things that she she knew exactly where all the icons were and where it was, and they'd move completely. And some of them had shifted down a level, mm. and she just she just couldn't yeah. work it out anymore. Um, she was they clicking around. They screwed with her taxonomy. Yeah, and she didn't that like that. That happened to me recently when I I updated the software on my Apple device, and um, it automatically like restructured some of my folder structures to like remove apps and change labels of things. I was like really annoyed like mm. i put those things in those boxes because mm. that's where i wanted them and i gave i gave them labels because i wanted them to be there mm. i put the things where i wanted mm. and then apple was just like mm. eep, blip, just wipe it away you, you did invested time in it too yeah i did it wrong <laughs> i wasn't doing it their way it's mm. it's their so if wrong. i may nerd out on this just a moment um so <laughs> one of the things that fascinates me about this is that so well for example people want to say they keep saying oh well children are nat- natural with tablets right they're just, they're, they're, no they're not we just don't notice how much they're playing in order to figure it out, yeah. mm. right? Like we don't have time for that. Um, so and how much it's they frustrating don't fear, and they don't fear mm. just trying things, right? So, so but once they figure it out, if it changes on them, they're just as frustrated as we are, right? Because they learned a system. So, but that's still the same object that's supposed to be still doing the same things, and that's what's so confusing. So, in an evolutionary scale, okay, we did not evolve to learn how a certain kind of thing behaves in the world and then have to learn how that same thing suddenly is a different thing. Mm. It just doesn't exist in nature. No. Mm. A tree is going to act like a tree. All the branches grow this way and that's how they do. Yeah. And you're not going to turn around the next day and it's tree 2.0, <laughs> lollipop tree or whatever, mm. and, and suddenly the branches are internal and you have to peel the bark and the branch <laughs> comes out. Like, you know, or, or to get to the fruit, you have to dig. Like, that's not, not going <laughs> to happen suddenly. Yeah. Okay, so um, so this is a cognitive problem, right? That, uh, but because we can move all that stuff around, we, we do. Mm. Like, well, let's try it like this. Let's try it like that. And, uh, and it's not just, you know, I mean, people poo-poo it, and they're like, oh, users have to get used to change. Well, yeah, I get that. And, and it could be that what it's evolving to is much better. But there's not enough thought given 
mm-hmm. the fact that um, you know, you need this needs to make sense. Now, with the funny thing too is that a lot of times, even if you ch- if you change it, if you change it in a way that is coherent and that is actually better, and in the structure actually makes sense, uh, people can learn it pretty quick. Um, but more often than not, you'll start with a simpler structure because the f- the first earlier versions of what you're rolling out is simpler. And then as you start doing feature creep, which is inevitable, because you want to grow your user base, you want to keep. What else are you going to do other than <laughs> bloat your software? You can't just keep updating the code to, 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 to just to work on new OSs. God forbid you would ever do that, which I just wish more people would, frankly. You can't, you can't possibly be happy that the spade actually digs ground. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah you've got to upgrade yeah, No, spade. no, you've got to add <laughs> a whirly gigs yeah. and, uh, yeah, and a tuba on the handle or something, <laughs> you know, because well, people need to be able to play a tuba while they're digging. And, um, and, and LED so that it knows when you've hit the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And All a digital th- display that gives you analytics okay, so on your this dig is, yesterday. Oh, this is starting to I mean, sound that would be really useful. My efficiency would go up. This is sounding too much. Whoa, whoa, whoa! This is sounding too much like a design charrette that the client's <laughs> trying to have, um, <laughs> where they just come up with all this crap. So there's a lack of clarity in those structures because they're trying to still be the old thing, but also cram in the new things, and they end up complicating everything. And so that the only, the only coherent model you've got is the one you learned in the previous version. So not to go too far on all this, but, it, but there, there, is a, there is a cognitive aspect to this that I think is important for us as designers to kind of understand so that w- we know what we're throwing at people mm-hmm. you know, when yeah. we do these things. No, we train our users on the interfaces that we make. There's very mm. few interfaces that are natural. I won't, I won't mention the one that by science standards fits in, but, mm. but the truth is not even we learn all of it. Is, oh, so. look at that. So you know, I feel like once we've trained them, I think there is this inherent fear of can we retrain them? Like, if we retrain them, do we have to admit we got it wrong the first time? Mm-hmm. You know, because, like, if I'm giving you money as a service to give me software or ability on the Internet, and you have things some way, and I've learned how to do it for all these years, maybe I've even based my business on it, like something like MailChimp or WordPress or uh, Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, something changes. Like, they, I understand that feeling of, like, Ugh, even though it's bad, maybe. Like changing it might be worse mm. because of how much you've trained people into one way of believing. So I, it's it's something that um, I think I asked the question of uh, Josh yesterday after mm. his presentation, Josh Seiden, about what the role of lean and things like that is in an incremental project. Because I'm dealing more and more with businesses that are not blank slates. It's like, <coughs> let's think of something, not even startups. Like startups already have all these words that they've decided, all these structures, they have their Mm -hmm. beta app, they have the thing they sold, and it's sometimes getting people to kind of kill their darlings Mm -hmm. from the very beginning, and that's what made them their money, that's Mm -hmm. what got them their pride, that's what got them the house they own, like all those things, so to Mm -hmm. get them to give it up can be, I think, a really challenging thing for the work that we do. It's really a changing society because, I mean, everybody's expected to do everything online now, you do banking online, so it's everybody's getting online, so the number of users getting online is actually increasing every month if you look globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a huge problem, all that you're describing, and how fitting it is then that we have two professional information architects in the room. So where do we start, and w- how do we go about doing it the right way? <laughs> well, you sit around and you complain about yeah. it like this. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first yeah, really that's important step. That's the first step. really important step. Uh, uh, admitting awareness it. About the problem. No, but seriously. After that, let yeah. me think. I know mm. you're joking, but I do, bl- I do believe that admitting it is the first step. Yeah. And I know that that mm-hmm. sounds mm-hmm. very much attached to other things that you hear and just in life in general. But if you can't convince your organization that there is a problem, you're going to be banging your head up against a wall 
So the first step really is getting them to see it the way that it is. I see way too many young uh, designers and technologists and marketers getting themselves very frustrated running around with pictures of the way they think the world ought be and trying to convince people this is the way it should be. Come mm -hmm. to my side of the fence. Come to my side of, of this whole thing. And all they would really need to do to sell that kind of an idea would be to listen to the people that are currently there and to get them to understand what the mess is that they're trying to solve. Because if you can't see it, like you can't understand what the value of sorting it out is. And I, I don't think that we pay too much attention to pointing out the messes because somebody that we work with probably made that, yeah. right? Or we mm. did five years mm. ago when mm -hmm. things were different. I mean, Andrew and I were talking about the mm. Information Architecture Institute website, and he was mentioning that at the time that it was designed and built, it was a time where broad and shallow navigation schemes with lots of hyperlinks revealed and the use of embedded uh, links within text was incredibly trendy. That was the way yeah. the entire internet looked. Mm. I get emails from kids today wanting to join the Institute who are offended by our graphic design choices, <laughs> thinking that this is something that like we've done recently. So it's like the role of change and the role of deprecation and technology and time. I mean, there's like all these things that are, mm -hmm. that are around the stuff that we do, but integral to the stuff that we do. And if we mm -hmm. can't get that part done, we can make diagrams all day of structures that would work better, but it doesn't matter. I mm -hmm. think this ties in with um, Lisa Welshman. Um, oh yeah, that was such a great time. Um, she she says that you know if, if to fix your website properly, you've got to first fix your organisation because mm -hmm. that is the organisation that got you to that website. Yep. So if you want to redo it, start there. Because otherwise, not, they'll you're do it again. Going to be in a cycle. Yeah. Which, what frustrates me about that is a lot of organisation, well, a lot of um, agencies in our branch, that's their bread and butter. They need uh, organisations to fail digitally constantly, so yeah. they can come in and take over and go, we can help fix this for you. Mm -hmm. So y the business goes round according to you know, the cycle of three-year failures of websites. You talked a bit about this as well with, with the fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and the rabbit holes that you mentioned that people fall into. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. People are constantly mm. saying things to me like, oh, but that's, that's just a semantic argument. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. And if we can't agree on that one thing, how can we agree on anything else? Yeah. I had a, a student in my workshop um, the first day here, and he said it more brilliantly than I've heard anybody say it. His name is Uli. I don't remember his last name, but if you're listening, Uli, I remember this. He said, if we can get them to agree on the word, we can get them to agree on so much else. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that that's true, and I think people run away from semantic arguments because they're hard, and because the reason they're hard is that somebody has to bow. Somebody has to say, oh, okay, when we're talking about this in the future, I'll use your word mm. because that makes sense to me. Or I'll use your or meaning of I'll that word. I'll use your meaning of yeah. the word. Or yeah. we'll agree in this conversation that those are the same thing, but we're going to call them differently for these two, two different contexts. You know, it's not mm. about consistency necessarily. It's about purposefulness. It's about deciding and not just yeah. letting it go by the wayside and, and kind yeah. of letting it lay where it is. Because where it is is messy and nobody thinks that's working but nobody wants to fix it either. Yeah. I actually had an argument in your workshop doing that first activity. See, and around you didn't, around you didn't the know strangers Yeah, around the first word. Uh, <laughs> one person wanted to call it upload, and, uh, and then I realized, well, it's not upload really, isn't it post? And another person said, no, it's publish. And so the first word we were talking about, we were having these arguments, and that was really an eye-opener for me, because mm -hmm. we don't have these arguments enough. No. Because people just assume that you know what you're talking about. Exactly. Mm. Now, and Andrew and I have the mm. unique perspective of being able to go around and make people have mm. arguments like that, which 
can kind of make you into an asshole. I mean, boop, sorry. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things that if you don't do that with humility and without opinion on how it goes, you can get yourself mm. into being really mm. hopped up on arguing, you know? Yeah. I mean, because there is something about getting people to kind of go mm. there. Well, there's this, so sometimes I'll I make the uh, a point a lot that um, uh, language for us is like water is to fish, right? And that it's just this medium that we're in and we don't think about it um, and how deep it actually goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, when we do have to think about it like uh, explicitly, uh, it's, it is, it's challenging, right? It's, it's actually pretty challenging to try to think through like what do these things mean? How are we, how are we using our terms? So this isn't just about uh, persnickety defining or, 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 you know what I mean? It's not just about, no, let's just, let's be consistent. Let's, yeah. It's not just, it's not consistency for consistency's sake. It's, because um, that actually is the, uh, th- that's a problem on the other end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, the w- Richard Saul Worman, whom we both uh, pull from a lot, um, has this wonderful thing where he says, order does not mean, uh, it's not the same as understanding. That uh, just, so, so uh, this isn't a matter of saying, nope, let's just all agree on these words and then we're going to be good. Because really the words are just, uh, a little signifier that's connected to this whole root system mm. and that is connected to business rules and uh, cultural baggage and legacy beliefs and database politics <laughs> and yeah and yeah the way things are named in a database even um, or the way marketing wants to talk about things versus the way that advertising wants to talk about things um, and so this becomes an entree into some really difficult conversations um, that that the organization has to kind of deal with and that they hadn't nec- that necessarily have to deal with before because it used to be that their channels were siloed comfortably. Mm. Uh, they didn't have to make everything kind of make sense as this sort of like ongoing ecosystem, right? It, 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 um, they, they could just sort of these static, these put these static things out in the world, these broadcasted things. And um, that's just not, you know, it, it's not going to hack anymore. So, uh, the language becomes this uh, map that everybody has to be able to get onto and everybody understand what, what it is. And, and then they're just the signifiers that stand for these tacit, deep alignments that have to happen. So a lot of our jobs really become that um, in terms of what information architecture can do. It has, it has an awful lot to do with just, it's, it's, a, it's our version, I think, of the way Lisa was talking about it, right? Which is um, getting the organization aligned on what it is that they're doing and what, what they mean by stuff. Yeah. When it comes to language and structure, what are you guys going to do here? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, right now I'm, I'm dealing with an uh, organization that has acquired other organizations. So it's like a- each one of those organizations has their own language yeah. entirely, like from what they call mm-hmm. their, their employees to the words on their interfaces to the way that they interact with customers on like a billing perspective and back-end systems. I mean, everything, the way that their analytics are tracked, all of it, and then on top of it, the con- companies happen to be in different countries. So it's oh, wow. it's like the cultural baggage of not just the organization, but then also the cultural baggage of the culture and the language differences, the time zone differences, the differences of work styles just between the UK and America or oh. any of mm-hmm. the other countries in America. I mean, it's there's stuff there. Um, and kind of getting people comfortable with the idea that like, yes, this is, almost seemingly impossible. Hmm. Like how would you take four organizations and just go smoosh and make one and get everybody on the same page? And there's, I think, a couple pieces to it. One is letting them know that there's not gonna be a Monday where we flip a switch and it all changes. 
because mm. that would be destructive, that mm. would be irresponsible, and that would be a fool's errand. Like we would all be, we'd be setting ourselves up for far too much risk and, and eventual failure by doing it that way. Mm. But what's scarier is instead, we have to take steps towards it every day for like five years yeah. mm -hmm. to get it done, yeah. which means it's not a project, right? Yeah. Like, like Brad was talking about, mm. it's a program. Yeah. It's, it's not a thing that you're doing once, it's a thing that you're feeding constantly. Mm. I, I thought that his thoughts on, on uh, kind of the atomic level design and molecules and components was, was just spot on with mm. the kind of stuff we're talking about. Like what he's doing for user interface elements, we're trying to do with language. We're making Lego bricks out of language. And yeah. we're saying, how are you mm. gonna snap these together? How are and you've got too many of those. Those all mean the same thing, what are you doing? Mm. Mm. Um, and it's it ends up to Andrew's point in everything. Customer service scripts, that's my favorite one. Those are the hardest to edit. Help files, mm -hmm. you change your verbs. Yeah. Think about the impact of that if upload became post. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's not a find and replace. English doesn't exactly. work like that, yeah. unfortunately. Well, even bigger is, and I know not to stay on this too long, although this is kind of everything. Um, <laughs> that uh, So the, a client I worked with for a long time last year, um, they, they sold you know credit card uh, processing stuff and, and maintained it and had that relationship with merchants um, and they called them merchants um, but when we got down to it they really didn't know what a merchant was mm. I mean that sounds ridiculous because of course they know I mean there's merchants and they sign contracts and they pay money um, but but in terms of how you define that in terms of your database and in terms of uh, the way you communicate with them and in terms of um, classifying them right uh and what information do you need from them what are the core pieces of information in order to know that you've defined that in in, in your in, in your systems um because all their processes and everything depend on the stuff well it turned out they were gathering stuff that they didn't even need to gather but they were gathering it because of legacy reasons way back and they just kept gathering it and they had whole business processes using it in two or three different ways in, in assuming this this department thought it meant this this department thought it meant something else, right? Incredible waste. And, and then uh, down the line, like a year later, something would happen, and then somebody would have to scramble to figure out what the problem was, and it was because all this wasn't aligned. Mm. Um, <laughs> Dan Klein calls that because reasons. Because reasons, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they're just, you know, uh, but they're so busy just trying to grow and make money uh, and get more merchants, you know. And uh, so, I mean, this was a central, and, and it took forever, like saying, but you guys, you don't know what a merchant is. And... <laughs> And they were like, well, yeah, we do, yeah, we do. And, uh, and then finally it, t finally it dawned on everybody, oh, no, we don't. Mm -hmm. We don't know what it is. Um, so they, they're going to have to stitch that together, right? So we did that. But it's often anyway. a core thing like that, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it's, it, mm -hmm. it's not like some peripheral term that everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, like half the company understands that and the other half does. It's like, no, 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 it's the one thing that's like their number one customer or the number one thing that they mm -hmm. do, like mm -hmm. the value that they bring mm -hmm. is just this fuzzy ball of we don't really know and everybody has their own idea and that gets really scary mm. especially yeah. as you grow yeah. you know when like small teams are pretty good with fielding that ball but big teams it starts to feel like a game you don't want to play i think that's one of the one of the things i've been thinking about this week is just the whole i mean we, we're all we're all, we're all we all know our speciality we all know our thing and that's one of the yeah reasons we're here is because we've we've got a background we're good at stuff we do but we we know also that like you said with language structure research setting goals design um, build all of these things are, there's a hell of a lot that goes into them 
and we're, we're, we're pushing this into all into sprints and we're shoving stuff out. We've got minimum, mm. thi- minimum this, minimum that because we can just do it without, you know, mm-hmm. just do as little as we can just now. We know full well that half the time that means it never gets done. The kind of mm. the full-on research, the real proper care and attention that maybe we're going to a proper structure for something. It's not going to happen because you've gone into that sprint and you'll never mm. meet the back of the again. How, how can we get out of... How can we make Stop. this work? Yeah, exactly. How can Stop. we make this work? How can we make everyone understand well, the, the true value yeah. of, of doing it right? I think you just... Ha- we have to talk about it. Mm. We have to talk about it. We have to call it by name. We have to give it a name. And when it has a name, it has a place in our mind. And if it doesn't have a place in our mind, then it, it doesn't exist. Mm. So right now, businesses do not consider information architecture to be a thing they have already. They think about it as being something that they might buy if they had more money to go get fancy consultants like Andrew and I to mm. give it to them. Yeah, and that's so not fancy. what it is. Yeah, it like turns usability out testing as well. Same it kind of turns thing. out they're yeah. sitting on an information architecture mm. right there, and yeah. they've got one already. And guess right. what? It's not doing what they need it to do because mm-hmm. no one thought about it. And it became. it's almost like if instead of making a plan for this building, they just hired a bunch of bricklayers, and they were like, just show up on Monday, bring a brick, and put it where you want. I mean, that's mm-hmm. basically how we're constructing that's what many did, of the yeah. systems yeah. that we're doing, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, some, some buildings do look like they were constructed <laughs> that way, and those are not the f- ones that we want to dwell in. The language that most still organizations are trying to solve this in is with interfaces. So um, what they'll do is they'll be like, okay, well, make some wireframes and, or whatever uh, comps prototypes, uh, sketch some stuff, and, uh, and, and that's what we're going to use to figure this all out. And the problem is that that's actually a very poor proxy for figuring out something like, well, what is a merchant? So, you know, for example, um, this company I was working with, they were launching a whole thing they were called Simplify. It's a simplified way for merchants to enroll. Well, what they did was they just took some of the fields out of the form and took fewer fields up and made it look nicer. Uh, which really wasn't solving anything. It was just a, it was a facade. It was putting whitewash on a, on a rotten window, you know. Um, because underneath, you still had all the same problems. All they were going to do then is just add more problems by making it so that when, when they did gather that information, it wasn't actually what they needed. It was just fields that, that, that were named things. Um, but but they, they made an interface, and they made it simpler. Well, no, not really, right? So everything underneath mm-hmm. it still had to be figured out. And... Uh, so this is a big part of what we do is, is, is just trying to get at this idea that um, you can't, you're, you're, you try to string, you, you try to stitch together some kind of interface, a software interface on top of business rules and definitions and, re- and processes that don't actually make any sense and you can't fix it with an interface. Right. You, you, if, if, if you try to oversimplify it, then you're just going to be obscuring important complexity that is just going to screw you up. It's just going to come back to haunt you. So you either have to fix that complexity or you have to uh, and make it simpler or you have to figure out a better way to instantiate that complexity to people. Um, but ideally, a lot of times that complexity is unnecessary, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the complexity that's there is not... A lot of markets, a lot of businesses, they have intrinsic complexity, meaning that there's no way around it, right? There's going to be... It's, there's some things about what you do that are just complex. Um, Running an airline, for example. There's stuff about that, the logistics and all. Those are going to be complex. You can't make that simple. Um, but you sure as heck can simplify or, or, or decomplexify um, 
some of the other things that go on around that, right? The way you name stuff. So like when I'm, and, and this is an example from my book, but uh, you know, you show up at an airport and like, uh, I've got a gold Delta card, but I'm a silver, uh, you know, uh, medallion member. And there's sky priority, which is like a whole other label, but it actually contains some of the medallion things and some other stuff. And then there's, it's like, I don't know what I am, right? I don't know, and then I've got the TSA pre, or not, and then, um, and then I've got a seat that's like a Comfort Plus seat or a preferred seat, and it used to be you got a Comfort Plus seat. It didn't really change how it, you can only get into zone one, which would sound like it's the first zone. It's actually like the fifth. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then, so just that, right? Just yeah. the, the, the framework of language that they have accreted, like this, these, these barnacles that have grown on that over time. Mm-hmm. Have, has gotten to be such a labyrinth for people. It's like a, uh, the barrier it's to entry to that go, world. Yeah. So you, you go to like huge. Delta customer forums and these long-time flyers, and they're having long ontological debates mm. mm-hmm. about what all this stuff really means mm. and what the rules behind it are. And in some degree, it's like they're primitive peoples trying to figure out what the stars <laughs> mean or, mm. or what the entrails of a goat are saying. I mean, they're making <laughs> guesses because really it's becoming almost algorithmic at this point. Like from one week to the next, you don't know what these labels actually mean. Just like on Facebook, you know, you, you can go, well, uh, most recent. Select most recent on Facebook, and what do you assume that means? It means all the things my friends post in reverse chronological order. Okay? No. It's algorithmically driven. You may not see a whole bunch of stuff that your friends are posting, even with that. There is actually no way to see everything your friends post unless you actually go to every friend's feed. Uh, and I think there's some other tricks you can use by making groups or something where they don't algorithmically change them. Anyway. So you see what I mean? Like you're, this is getting, this isn't just again just tidying up. This is we're, this is a huge layer of our reality that because of digital technology, it it it, it can really get crazy mm. in ways that the physical world just can't, just because of the nature of atoms, right? Just so, that with yeah. Facebook as well. I mean, I've got I've, most recent. I've got a couple of friends that in years ago. Um, they got a bit ranty about certain topics. So I, cl- I clicked on that option that gave you the chance to just show only most important. There was like different levels you could set people to and the frequency would alter. Facebook removed that, right? But I've got people that are trapped with that setting. <gasps> and and, I've, and I've, I've looked, I've actually searched a little bit because some of them are thinking, well, I, you know, mm. I want to pull you back out of that kind of rabbit hole now and I want you back in my field. I don't see you ever. And I, I did some little research and apparently the only way for me to get them back out of that hole, I've got to go in and like loads of stuff on, the, on their wall. And I'm not to teach do the algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to do that because that's going to turn me into some insane. weird stalker friend yeah. who's just kind yeah. of suddenly liked 400 things on no, the like I, I want to believe that there are not meeting rooms of people making decisions uh. that lead to these kinds of things, right? Mm. So Con- like you mean consciously? Consciously. Yeah. Like having meetings with decks and pointing at things and going, you know what we should do is we should lock all these people <laughs> in purgatory between these two statuses <laughs> when we do this, right? Like th- that, we can probably agree that that meeting probably didn't happen, we right? Yeah. That is a problem yeah. because if that meeting didn't happen, if that conversation wasn't had, your friends end up in purgatory. So I think that that's actually the interesting part is that the world is spending a tremendous amount of energy right now criticizing kind of the way that the world is turning out Mm. um, as a result of some of these Mm. things. Mm. But I don't know how much we as the people who are making these things Mm. are having the conversations with our colleagues Mm. about 
the deep, boring stuff of like, yeah. well, what would happen if this happened? Well, because it's becoming one of those edge case is important type of, yeah. of things. Mm-hmm. Well, and the, and the interaction that you used to make that happen was very clear. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like, oh, I know, okay. Although the way it was labeled for a while was completely unclear, by the way. It was like, mm-hmm. uh, I forget what it was. It was almost as if you were it was only unfriending them. Yeah, it was But you weren't really unfriending them. And then they changed the mostly. label so that it's a little more clear that I'm just not yeah. going to see I'm really them. glad you're doing like a deep ontological study of Facebook over time. That's really good. Um, no, it, no, it's, it's, no, it's, <laughs> I'm a fa- impressed. I it's like, fascinating. It's fascinating. Uh, it is fascinating. Because they, they, they make so many wonderful mistakes, right? Yeah. That, that uh, in terms of wonderful, in terms of learning, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's like, uh, it, it's like, um, like a laboratory with like lots of viruses growing yeah. in petri dishes. With the most statistically it's, it's, it's significant audience in the You just have to world. wear a clean suit when you go in there because yeah. otherwise that will kill you. But, um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so like, so like, uh, you know, and then so then you have to look at what are the forces at work, right? So there's there's their whole advertising model. They have a business model that's driving the way they do a lot of these things. So that that's that's a pressure in their environment in terms of the sort of choices they're making. So you know, so yeah, we're we're getting a lot of like people want to be able to unfollow people. Okay, well. So then the other thing is, how do they make software? Well, the way they're making software is somebody's going, well, pe- pe- oh, yeah, we're getting a lot of pressure from our users. They want to be able to just hide some stuff, you know, hide certain people. Okay, let's give them that ability. Uh, and let's plug it into the thing for efficiency's sake. That's the algorithm that is showing them less of those people if they're not interacting with them. Mm. Um, so that you're fusing those two rules together architecturally. So this is all architecture, right? Mm-hmm. This is architecture for, for the behavior of an environment. Mm. The rules that mean is, is is this door open or not? Is this window open or not? And, um, and 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 so they're making those decisions. And then, but there's no there's no the way that they're making software doesn't have a, a countervailing force that says, okay, well, if you give them that ability, then what about when they want to undo it? Right. Right. Well, that's not there. Um, so so there's just uh, uh, this is again it comes back to there's things in the organization like you can't just come in and drop in and go no fix all this make all this better right. you know there's there's an there's an uh, 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 an ecological literally like ecological thing because there's a whole environment that's pressuring them to do certain things so you could you you can make things better for a minute. And it's just going to go right back where it was. And yeah. so I, I've worked with so many clients who they're like, yeah, we need some new thinking. We need some fresh thinking. We need some blah, blah, blah. You guys are going to help us. I'm like, you know, we're going to help you, but it's probably just going to go. You're going to end up doing the same problem, having the same problem. It's like putting a skyscraper on a swamp. You just yeah. can't. You yeah. can't do it. Yeah. You're no, not, you're not, you don't around. have a solid footing. Mm. We need to get you a solid footing before we can put a big-ass building here. And sometimes that means pointing out things like, Gee, the way you're actually pushing software out into the world has some problems because it's distorting your intent, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Or the way that uh, uh, the, the way that your business model is pressuring what you're doing is distorting your your what you say your intent is. Yeah. In essence, so we have this common enemy, uh, and the common enemy is that we have uh, hidden assumptions that everybody knows what stuff means, mm-hmm. and the hidden assumptions. Uh, are invisible per definition. Mm-hmm. So until we actually put them on the table and put words on them, we can't argue about them and, and, and become aware that, mm-hmm. oh my God, we aren't talking about the same mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So that's what we need to be st- start doing is actually start labeling stuff, make sure that we are on the same page and that will take us to the next step. We have to be ready to be wrong too. Mm-hmm. Like we have to be ready to be educated if what we thought the whole organization meant by a word turns out that you're the only one that thinks that it's something different and you're mm. the one that has to change 
And I mean, I don't yeah. like the idea of there being a right or wrong way, but there is an agreed to direction for who you're working with. And I do believe there's a time to sort of fight for a, a perspective to change the agreed to direction that you're, you're kind of going down with a team. But there's also times when you have to submit so that progress can be made. And you know that's that's a time where you need to be egoless. You need to not think that if your word didn't win, your paycheck will be lower next year, or you won't get to go to that thing you wanted to do, or that mm. work on that client, or whatever have you. Mm. So, uh, so it just so happens that I have a book uh, called Understanding Context, where I talk about some of these things, and, mm -hmm. and it's uh, and there's a lot of pages in it. So <laughs> it goes on even longer so than I just did. It's value for money. Yeah, and there's a lot of value for your so for your yeah, book buying dollar. And Abby has a lovely book. I do. My book is called How to Make Sense of Any Mess, and it is available on Amazon and Kindle as well. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Thank you very much Thanks for so joining us for chatting. Thank with you us. both. Yeah, this is fun. fun. Thanks. Are you ready? Are you ready to be wrong, Per? I'm always ready to be wrong. Yeah. Failing is my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> no, that came out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Are Aspen, any clients listening? No. No. Uh, no I, I, I think this. There's many, many excellent points um, that we discussed and raised mm. in that show. But I, I, I do one. One of them I like to. I want to point out or highlight again now in the outro. In the outro is just be be ready to be wrong, or um, as Abby said, um, admitting you've done something wrong is a first step. Because you, you're not going to be able to get your organisation to understand that there's a problem. But if you haven't got them to understand mm. there's a problem, you've got no chance whatsoever of fixing yeah. it. You need to be fair and point out the mess. And, and like she said. Uh, I mean, maybe you, even you or someone you like is responsible for that mess mm. because it was something you did maybe four or five years ago. Mm. But take that's responsibility. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Fine. We move on. We learn stuff. And that's actually what I mean with failing responsible and failing over and over again because that's what you do. Nothing is ever perfect. Nothing ever goes according to plan. Mm. That's part of what you, we, we do. It's yeah. just – but make sure that you actually talk about what the outcome is, how you can do it better next time. Mm. and how you can evolve it in, uh, over time. Mm. Conscious decisions mm. are better than unconscious decisions. Yes. And as you said, uh, remember to keep moving. Yes. That's really confused people now because they probably think the show's ended. <laughs> but uh, you know, if you remember to keep mm. moving, it's the same thing. You, mm. you admit you're wrong, understand something, learn something from what mm. you did, and um, use that to, to move forward. So another, th another line that Abby came out with is, if you can't see it, you can't understand the value of sorting it. Mm. This is the whole thing about getting buy-in from your yeah, organization. Like yeah. Um, and this, and I mean, design isn't a way to find the perfect solution. Is what that's usually what people think that you go to a designer, you find a solution, and that's the perfect solution for your kind of problem. Mm. But there is no such thing. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is about strategy, but it, I think it fits here as well. Is that strategy isn't a way to find the perfect way to success, but it's strategy is finding as many ways as possible to something that is not failure. Mm. So what you're trying to do is see what the options are. See what, as, as we always talk about, you need to understand what the goal is what, with what you're doing, and then you can find lots of different ways to get to that goal mm. and reach there. Yeah, common language as well. That, we, um, uh, that, that was nice how the, the, the two information architects both uh, managed to weave in uh, words and and the importance of words and the, yeah. and the understanding of them and the definition of them and agreement mm. upon them. Um, I, I liked the angle we came from with that. Mm. that the um, you, it's team building. I mean, a lot of stuff we actually discussed in some ways is, is team building or consensus consensus building, yeah. um, which is the f the foundation for any success. Yes, and even in the UX community, we're not 
all uh, we don't all have the same definition of what UX is, yeah. and that's what we're doing on the show. We're talking about it as much as possible because we're trying always to find a better definition of what we're doing and uh, why we're doing it and who should be doing it and so on. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not obvious, uh, so you can't just use the term UX without talking about it as well. Or I uh, or, or yeah, any or of these things that these we things. like to throw around. <laughs> uh, one thing that I loved about <laughs> what Andrew said. Was, Design to Rets, I think he said. Oh, uh, we were trying to find s- stuff to add on when you had um, uh, feature creep. Feature creep, yeah. yeah. Which is inevitable, is what he said. Yeah, exactly. Creep. Because you're always trying to find new stuff to do. Yeah. You, you're never satisfied. Mm. And so you're trying to find all these different solutions to a problem that never existed. Yeah. Spade 2.0. Mm. Mm. I'm definitely going to be listening back to this show many times in the future. Yep, so spend, spend some of your energy um, criticizing a lot of these things. Um, criticizing t- together and and discuss some of these things with your your colleagues. If you got some, if you're on vacation, like uh, most people in Sweden are nowadays uh, in July, uh, just listen back to some episodes. And you can um, you can also find me as Beantin on Twitter, which is B E A N T I N. Yeah. And that guy over there is um, Axbom, A X B O M. Yep. On Twitter, um, and we're also UX Podcast. Everywhere. All one word. Everywhere. Yeah, all one word. On Twitter and everywhere. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, the links for this show um, and an archive of our um, previous um, 103 shows can be found on uxpodcast.com. Nice. Thank you for listening. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side. Mm.